again, it's Charlie O'Shields back with another episode of Sketching Stuff. I'll admit that I really do love to geek out on new technology. I love all of the things that we can do today and think it's really cool that much of it simply wasn't possible even just a few years ago. But as awesome as all of the new tech might be, I'm most enamored by things we've always had the ability to do, like making things and creating art. It's incredible what we can create by hand with just the simplest of tools, and the only thing we have to plug into is our own creativity and imagination. Of course, I adore sketching with watercolor most because it's just so much fun. Yet when it comes to technology, my favorite part is that it can connect artists all across the globe. That's always been the mission of doodlewash.com. It's a joy to help artists find other artists who can inspire them with their style and approach. We all have very different tastes, and there are so many different ways to paint and sketch. Personally, I continue to be inspired to create each day by seeing people all across the earth making something wonderful. Whether it's seeing a new approach or just triggering a wonderful memory, which is always my favorite thing. So here's another little collection of stories that appeared while I was sketching watercolor fun. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. Dreams of a Calculator Watch For a prompt of buttons once, my mind went to something Philippe and I had inexplicably been discussing recently. This is, of course, a wonder of technology that really hit its stride in the 80s. Every nerd like me just had to have one. Why would anyone want a watch that was only capable of telling time, after all? Casio is certainly the company that made the calculator watch popular by offering an endless array of various styles. And since this was a time when technology was slow enough to still wow us every now and again, these watches seemed rather amazing. Of course, actually using one and understanding all of the functions took a bit of time. Besides the added buttons for the calculator itself, there were extra buttons on the sides. These were labeled with letters in the manual, but once on one's wrist, it was just a test of memory. What I love is that these are still available today. It's no surprise, really. In a world of touchscreen blocks, these are much more interesting objects. Philippe and I were looking at the latest varieties and considered getting one, but failed to make a purchase. Instead, I figured I'd just honor this tech marvel with a little doodle wash. I've always been a big geek when it comes to technology. It's amazing what's possible today that seems so impossible just a decade before this. Though I had a calculator watch, I wasn't particularly into math, so it was really just for all of the buttons. I felt like I was wearing something that I could do even more than the manual boasted, like some cool gadget worn by James Bond. In the end, of course, I couldn't take down a criminal mastermind with this particular watch unless a simple math equation was the only way to defuse a bomb of some kind. No, instead I did what all the other kids did and typed things in numbers that turned into words when viewed upside down. This was endless fun. I would start with the usual 07734, which magically transforms into hello. Though most boys my age weren't content with this one and would continually type 58008 because it spelled boobs and then giggle triumphantly as if they were the first to ever figure that one out. For my own part, I found that I could actually create something a bit more personal by typing the numbers 5073145.0, which, when viewed upside down, becomes O'Shields, complete with apostrophe. 
These little hacks were so much fun, but today you can just talk into a phone and have it give you an answer in return. There's not as much to hack when the technology is advanced enough to do everything you imagined and more. And indeed, there's not even a need to press or even have a button in many cases. But I miss the fun of the early digital days. There was no secret as to what your incredible piece of technology could or couldn't do, as it was clearly visible by the number of buttons present. Sadly, I don't still have the watch that I had when I was younger. Like many prized possessions, they stop being a prize at some point, get lost over time, and simply become a wistful memory. Yet as the world lurches forward with new technologies, I'll always have a soft spot for the first ones that shape the world we know today. And as technology leaps too quickly to impress us anymore, these objects will always hold their allure. I'm still excited to see what fabulous new technology will arrive next, but whatever happens, it's unlikely to ever dull the lovely glow that can be found in my dreams of a calculator watch. Late Night Reading for a prompt of books once, I opted for a single book and glass with late night shadows. I've always loved reading and used to stay up until the wee hours of the morning just to finish a book. I couldn't stand going to sleep without knowing what happened next in the story. These days, I actually read on my Kindle most of the time, and I'm usually asleep within about 30 minutes. This is no fault of the book or the author who worked hard to spin a wonderful tale, but instead just a side effect of age. I get a touch sleepy. And truly, there's something about reading that lulls an overtaxed mind a bit. No matter what I was worried about or stressed about previously in the middle of a wonderful story, I'm content and relaxed. So relaxed these days, of course, that I just nod right off to sleep. But I remember times when I would stay up much later, reading for hours at a time. Sure, I'd be a little bit exhausted when I awoke that next day, but equally exhilarated for having completed yet another book. Every so often I start a book that becomes quite special. It's one of those rare books that I simply can't wait to start reading again. The kind where there's almost a bit of sadness when it's finally at the end. I love those books most of all. Lately I've been bouncing around between various books, but have been reading a lot of Agatha Christie books that I've not yet read. It's amazing how well her books have traveled through time and can still hold the same allure today. And more amazing is simply the fact that she was both a wonderful writer as well as a talented magician when it came to creating complex mysteries. She's the very reason why I hope to write my own mystery book before I leave this earth. I've no idea when I'll be able to make it happen, but it's definitely on my bucket list. In truth, I got a bit stalled out while trying to finish my next book in my sketching book activity book series. I was planning on doing a book on animals next and then began to doubt if that was the correct order. I read something recently about Agatha Christie's approach to writing and learned that she liked to work on more than one book at a time. At first, this seems almost like a crazy idea to me, and then I realized we're talking about me after all, and it's probably the very best approach of all. So, though I'm behind on my next book, I have 75% of the next two books completed. For Agatha Christie, this act of bouncing around between ideas was a way to keep all of her ideas fresher. I have to believe this is very wise advice. Even if you don't suffer from a lack of focus and a dangerously short attention span like I do, it's true that pursuing only one thing singularly can exhaust creativity a bit. 
What was once a moment of creative inspiration turns into an arduous task instead, something you have to do rather than something you love to do. I wholeheartedly believe that any moment when I'm doing something that doesn't feel quite right is the perfect moment to do something else entirely. It's rather odd advice to be sure as we're all trained that if we want to actually complete something, we should do that something until it's complete. This seems like a perfectly sound solution on the surface, but when that something involves a bit of creativity, the rules change. For a creative endeavor to thrive, it's never about rules at all. It's about making space at the right time and in the right place. Whatever happens then is simply what's meant to happen next. And so these days, I'm perfectly content to let the story unfold at a more natural pace and have happily given up that frantic act of late night reading. Little Box of Dreams Had a prompt of laptop once, which was admittedly unusual in that it's not a subject matter that often shows up in sketches, yet it's quite a common everyday thing. Each morning I start my day with a cup or two of coffee with my laptop in front of me like this. It's just a little bit of time each day before I have to head to work. But it's a wonderful time where I can catch up on what everyone else is sketching, starting the day with a lovely dose of artistic inspiration. My laptop is also filled with lots of precious little things as well. There are folders with ideas and outlines for books I've never managed to write, little pieces of stories that have yet to come together and some, no doubt, that I've forgotten about and will stumble upon again one day. I'm a maker at heart, so I just keep right on making things. Often I have no idea what will happen with them when I start. Yet in my heart, I have a feeling that it will all manage to come together in the end. And even if some ideas never grow up to become something, it doesn't really matter to me. It's just really fun to make up ideas in the first place. To be honest, I probably have way too many ideas that I'm coming up with at once. Philippe is pretty much a saint for putting up with me and whatever new thing I've suddenly decided that I simply must do next. More than that, he is quite supportive, even when he knows it's entirely possible whatever idea I just giddily blubbered on about over dinner might never actually come to fruition. After I published my sketching stuff memoir, I was all set on writing fiction next in the form of a cozy mystery series. Philippe even bought me a book on the subject at Christmas and brainstormed ideas with me. It's a wonderful thing to dream with the person you love. What happened next, of course, was that I started a series of activity books that I now have to complete before I can get back to my mystery writing dream. Or indeed, whatever dream is currently gnawing at my heart when that time comes. I'm rather excited to find out. Many times before, my team at work used to come uh, into my office and see just how many screens I would have open on my laptop at one time. There's usually an audible gasp, followed by, how can you do that? It's truly just how my mind works. It's completely non-linear. I have to work on several things simultaneously, pushing each one forward a little as I go. If I try to focus on only one thing, it usually goes nowhere at all. Indeed, I am only able to focus when it comes to watercolor sketching, so perhaps that's part of the allure for me. Even then, it's not a lot of time, but it's a wonderful little bit of time indeed. Yet I'm happy with where my dreams have taken me, though there are still so many things I wish I could do next. 
and I feel truly lucky to have a partner who keeps cheering me on even when I fail to deliver. That's the thing about dreams. They don't thrive on criticism and critique, but instead flourish with just the smallest bit of positive enthusiasm. It's the very culture of Doodlewash itself. We can each do anything we want in life as long as we have some cheerleaders to encourage us along the way. So thanks to each of you who encouraged me in my sketching and writing as I reveal a tiny bit each day from my little box of dreams. Vegetables don't exist. For a prompt of vegetables once, I chose some of my favorites to sketch, yet actually in botanical terms, these are a collection of fruits and berries. Yep, the avocado is actually a berry along with a banana, and most of us have stumbled upon the fact that a tomato is technically a fruit as well. I've mentioned these bits of trivia before when I've sketched these types of foods because I find it all very interesting, but there's something even more intriguing to the story. In truth, the term vegetable doesn't exist in botanical terminology. When it comes to this particular classification, it's solely a culinary term. So while we can put up a scorecard for which side gets to claim a fruit, there's no such thing when it comes to a vegetable. Biologically speaking, vegetables don't exist. This is most likely why the rest of us stick to the culinary thinking. It's easier to define something by the way you eat it, rather than worrying over the science of it all. Yet these are the things that make our world so interesting and fun. Nothing is ever as it seems. There's always more to the story. When I was a kid, I would always want to learn all I could about everything. This was in a time when the internet didn't exist, so the only way to learn something new was to visit the library or crack open an encyclopedia. I remember there was a door-to-door -door salesman once who wanted to sell us a complete set of encyclopedias and I begged my mother to get them. I only now realize that they cost quite a bit for the time and yet she obliged and got me the entire set. I was in heaven. It was like I had all of the answers to all of the great questions in life sitting on the shelf in front of me. These days, of course, we can simply Google it, type a question, and the answers reveal themselves almost immediately. The difference, of course, is that the answers are no longer highly curated by human editors and instead offered up by robots. While my inner child thinks that robots are perfectly awesome and amazing, my adult brain has to question the validity of these answers a bit. In many cases, the first few listings are more sensational than perfectly accurate, very much like the title of this particular post. Today, rather than having answers carefully vetted, we instead get them through popularity algorithms. Yes, we now live in a world where you don't have to be right so much as the most popular. In other words, we're now all living in a global cyber high school. It's not that the robots aren't clever enough to figure out the real facts from the false, it's just that the robots make more money for the masters by promoting popularity. While I adore the internet for its ability to connect all of us together, this trend is a bit alarming. While one might think an encyclopedia is something archaic in this day and age, the human element still makes it far superior. 
There's a level of judgment that humans offer up that machines have yet to replicate exactly. That's why I adore art. It's so purely human. Decisions made about what to paint and what color to use that day are incredibly unique to each of us. There's often very little discernible rhyme or reason to the process. Yet the process comes with something incredibly special. That amazing gift of feeling actual surprise seeing something appear that one never expected in the process. That's the beauty of art and creativity, which is still very much the domain of human beings. This is a fabulous thing indeed, even when our own words confuse us and can make it quite possible that vegetables don't exist. A Little Boy and His Bear For a prompt of children once, I opted to sketch something that reminded me of little Charlie. I've always loved teddy bears and still have my very first teddy bear with me to this day. Well, not all of the time these days. I liked to spend a fair amount of time alone as a kid, and that hasn't changed much as an adult. But I was never fully alone because I always had my teddy bear by my side. My first bear was actually bought in a store, but the teddy bears that came after that were all made by my mother. In fact, for this Christmas, I've requested she make another Paddington bear, this one based on the current movie version, and he's my favorite bear of all time. It's not just about the bear, of course. It never really was. I always thought that my mother's ability to create a teddy bear from scratch was perfectly magical. She's always been able to make anything I could dream and then surprise me with things I had yet to imagine. She doesn't make as much as she used to, so of course, that's the main reason for my request these days. When someone has a talent for something, I just can't stand it if they don't do something with it. I'm not at all above challenging my own mother to make a little bit of art. I adore crafts of all kinds. The term arts and crafts seems to create some sort of distinction between the two, but I've never personally been able to understand it. For me, I adore the word craft as it's the one used for making amazing teddy bears as well as the one used for doing anything with a high degree of skill. My mom has that level of skill and it was a joy to watch her make things as I was growing up. What stuck with me most she was never daunted by any challenge. If there was something she didn't know how to do immediately, she just figured she could learn how and then do it with a plum. So I grew up much the same way, though I have to admit I'm not sure I've reached my mother's level of crafty self-confidence. Today, for instance, I was quite ready to show just a teddy bear in a wagon, but figured I should challenge myself by adding a rare human form as well. It's what my mother would have done without even questioning it. If something is needed to tell the story, then it just has to appear there. Figure out how to make it, and then make it happen. There's really no better way to approach life, and that's why I've modeled my mother's approach throughout my own. Well, at least I try to most of the time. Sometimes I have a bit of self-doubt that stops me from trying something. She no doubt had this as well, but it was always well hidden, and all I saw were the amazing treasures created by her efforts. And when I was a kid, I was riddled with a crazy mix of self-doubt and unwarranted self-confidence. I was rarely as good at the things I thought I excelled at and far better at the things I'd overlooked. Today, I'm happy to excel at one very important thing, and that's simply being true to me. I'm still that kid who ventures out on his own in search of an adventure, but I've grown into an adult who adores being part of a community as well. 
Not just any group of people, of course, but one born out of a love for making things. The love that I enjoyed with my mother while I was growing up and one I now share with people all across the globe. There's nothing more noble in this world than to be a bit crafty. My mom taught me that. It's something I've taken with me throughout my life. A life that began as all good stories do. Once upon a time, there was a little boy and his bear. Comfortable in your own skin. For a prompt of skin once, my mind leapt to an elephant, which doesn't quite qualify as an everyday thing where I currently live, but I would love if that were the case. I've always adored elephants, and they are made up of a festival of skin that creases and folds, only adding to their character. Indeed, the skin I see most often each day is of a more human variety, but I prefer sketching animals. This is no slight to humans, but when I'm illustrating a story, or more accurately, a daily ramble, it's fun to use animals to portray what's going on in my mind. In truth, thinking about skin made me think about the idea of being content with oneself. Growing up, I realized right away that I wasn't quite like the majority of other boys around me. I was indeed in the minority, but I never let that make me feel minor in any way at all. In fact, it just made me feel rather special. Though I always say I'm no rebel, in many ways I can seem that way. I don't have a need to be just like everyone else in the crowd. I've never been worried that I might be different in some way and therefore wouldn't fit in. Truly, the entire concept of fitting in has always been a perfectly weird thing to aspire to in life. Why on earth would I want to be just like somebody else? What's the point in that? For me, what makes the world so incredibly interesting are the differences and unique traits that we all possess. Therein lies the greatest beauty. In high school, I joined lots of groups, but soon found that I wanted to lead them instead. I ended up becoming president or vice president of every group I joined. One would think this would lead me to a career in politics, but what a horrible bore that would have been. No, I just wanted to stand up and scream the best thing about a group is all of the fabulously unique individuals who created it in the first place. I fought my way to the top to make a change. I saw people adapting to the group rather than fiercely asserting their individuality. I wanted to change that mindset. There's nothing greater in this world than the strikingly unique contributions we all have to add to it. And in today's world, there are so many rules set on social media and via various algorithms that tell us exactly how we must behave next. And I'm not all that shy in admitting that I despise them. So hey, maybe I am a bit of a rebel after all. My goal and wish is to encourage people to always follow their hearts first and foremost. I want people to create what they felt should be created next, not what some trend or algorithm told them to make. I should indeed insert a caveat here and say that following the mighty algorithm is indeed the best path to more follows like social media success. But that's not what my stories have ever focused on. Everything I post is a true and honest account of personal life histories, art journeys, experiences with art supplies, and much more. And that makes me feel incredibly happy. It's always been the goal I hoped for with regard to Doodle Wash from the very beginning. Artists connecting with other artists and sharing their own individual views of the world. It's what makes DoodleWash.com so very different from other places you might find on the internet, save many of the wonderful featured artists you'll find on this site. 
Together, we're carving out an honest world of experience and possibility. We are each so different, and yet art can bring us together in incredible and profound ways. It's been years since I was that awkward boy coming of age and attempting to understand how I should proceed in this world, given my own unique traits. Today, I invite you all to embrace yours. There's nothing more perfect than the moment you fully grasp the beauty of being comfortable in your own skin. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories.